0: What's up, everybody? This is Be More Well Backstage Pass. And today I'm going to be joined by Emma White. Thank you for hanging out today. Hey, everybody. I am Jeff St. Pierre, and welcome to Be More Well Backstage Pass. This is the first episode of this kind of side project of sorts. So thanks for popping in and hanging out for a bit. I've been producing my wellness focused podcast more well for over a year now, and I realized that while I love discussing those topics, I've been missing out on great conversations with other people who maybe don't fall in the wellness field, so that's what Backstage Pass is all about. This week, I am chatting with Emma White. Emma is from the Baltimore area, but has been living and working in Nashville for about a decade now. She's been pursuing her dreams of becoming a big-time country artist. Now, I've been lucky enough to know Emma for probably about a decade now, too. Uh, My radio station in Baltimore used to play her stuff on our local music show, and we've had a chance to hang out a few different times. I've just always been so impressed by her drive, which we'll talk more about during our conversation. Uh, Before we do get started, please subscribe to Be More Well on whatever platform you are using right now so you can be notified of all future episodes and updates, and please feel free to leave a rating and review. Those are super important for the algorithm so more people can find my show. Uh, I appreciate your support as always. Thank you for listening, and here is Emma White.
1: Hello. What's happening? you i
0: am good how are you
1: i'm good my mom was very excited to hear that i was talking to you today oh really <laughs> she apparently is writing a song for your daughter
0: oh okay
1: because she saw you she saw you mentioned something um about needing a song or something did oh, you know my mom writes songs I,
0: I actually didn't so this is like this is great information right off the bat
1: <laughs> me how to write songs, Riley. Um, my mom said something about she wrote, she's writing a song for Eloise. And that's, that's all I
0: know. That's actually amazing. You know, it's, we were, I don't know if you ever do this, um, but we were looking up to see if there were any songs about Eloise or had Eloise in the title. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a few, but like the only one that I could find that I actually somewhat enjoyed was by the band Say Anything. And it's like a heartbreak song. Like it's really like negative towards Eloise. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Like, I need a good positive Eloise song.
1: <laughs> such a cool name! I love that.
0: I can take no credit for it. My wife and I uh, kind of agreed that I would get to name the boy and she would get to name the girl, and she wins. So
1: that's such a good deal.
0: I think I still would have lost. Like I, I still don't think that she would have let me do it. Um, but that was what she said. So I, ha- I have no proof otherwise because we had a girl. So I can't say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Baby number two. Maybe you'll find
0: out. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, As of right now, we're stopping at one. So we'll see what what happens with life. One is enough, really. I mean, I... I look at people that have, you know, a bunch of kids and more power to them. I don't judge, but like, I'm just like, I don't know how you do it. Like I have a hard enough time dealing with one right now. I can't imagine having like seven all under the age, like Thomas Rhett and his wife. I know they're a different situation because they've got all the money in the world and they can buy help or whatever they need, but still they're going to have four kids, like all under the age of like seven soon.
1: I really, I don't, my brother, um, is fostering a little baby and he said the exact same thing. He's like, mom, I don't know how you had three children (laughs) running around.
0: How old's your brother? I haven't met your brother. I've met your sister.
1: He's, uh, I think he's 38.
0: Okay. So he's like more my age. Okay. And how is Sarah doing?
1: She's good. She's, um, living in Baltimore. She's actually transitioned to do like virtual events. Um, she was doing like PR events in person for a long time. And because of the pandemic now she's doing all this virtual stuff. So that's been cool. Cause I think we might get to work together now.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Where is she working?
1: Um, she's actually freelancing. She's worked for several companies during the pandemic. Um, and I just found this like Nashville based virtual job that she might do remotely. So we'll see. I don't know.
0: <laughs> that's super cool. Um, So one thing that's a challenge whenever I talk to people that I actually know and have a relationship with is the beginning of a conversation because it's like that awkward moment of like, are we just catching up or are we recording? Um, So just so you know, I've just been recording. So we're just chatting and just hanging out.
1: Yeah
0: whatever whatever <laughs> the other thing that i suck at with people that i actually am familiar with uh is that i forget that not everybody is familiar with them so i forget to ask questions like introductory questions because yeah. i already know i don't know everything about you but i know a lot about you clearly i didn't know your mom wrote music so clearly i don't know everything about you um yeah. but like maybe before we dive into kind of what's going on right now because i think you're a fascinating human being um can we just go back a few years and yeah kind of start from the beginning really quick, like the, the synopsis of Emma White?
1: <laughs> sure. <Okay>. Well,
0: <laughs> well, so uh, let me let me just go. You mentioned yeah. that your mom taught you how to write songs. So you've been writing and singing for as far back as you can remember, probably, right?
1: Yeah, like literally since I was three years old. I remember being three. That's like my first memory of writing with her. And, um, she almost came She came to Nashville and tried to make a go of it, like pitching her songs. But she was just like, I think we were going to move here. And she just decided, this is not, I want to raise my kids in Maryland. I don't want to deal with all this rejection, (laughs) basically. Um, And so she always wrote. And we had like a CD party for her. And like I would work the merch table. And all of that was in Baltimore. But her mother actually, my grandmother, wrote songs as well. Oh, wow. pursued it in New York. And then her husband came back from the war and they got married and um, she moved back to Baltimore. But she had a couple of like TV shows she was in and um, we still have songs that she wrote. So it is kind of like all in the family, Um, but yeah. So I just kind of got the bug from my family and um, I did not anticipate being so obsessed with country music. That kind of happened later. I thought I was gonna sing R&B music because Growing up in Baltimore, like the two biggest stations were ninety two Q and ninety three one. And when I was younger, I only listened to ninety two Q. I was not listening to ninety three one. And then, and then it was like everyone kept saying, "You're going to do country. You're going to do country." And then, like something switched, and I just fell into it. I guess.
0: Well, also so, yeah. when when you were in like high school, uh, I'm assuming you were playing music when you were in high school. When you were in high school, at that time period in the Baltimore area rock was a big thing. Like there were a lot of local rock bands popping up at that time period.
1: Yeah. Like I, I was in class with the bass player for all time low. Right. He was in class with me and they were blowing up and I was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> this is really happening. Um, and I just, I remember all of that happening. And I wasn't a fan of like rock at the time. I was very into R and B. That was my thing at that, at that point. So
0: like how active were you in high school? Were you out playing shows when you were in high school? Or was it more of like just a hobby for yourself that you were doing?
1: It was something I pursued kind of privately. At that time, I was really just a singer. Like okay. I I felt like, you know, I, I had been writing songs, but I didn't I didn't take it like I guess I kind of didn't think I was a good enough songwriter and I was trying to become the best vocalist I could be. And I was singing like Lauren Hill and Whitney Houston and like going to New York to take voice lessons. And I was super intense about that then, like just voice and, and dance. I used to leave school early to take hmm. dance classes. And I was like, it was all performance and it wasn't as much writing then. So, but that came like once I went to music school, I decided, okay, I'm really going to focus on writing.
0: Okay. So what was music school? where did you go to school?
1: I went to Berkeley College of Music. Um, And that's where I, I was like, when you're younger, you're like, I'm just going to try out for American Idol and it's all going to work out, you know? (laughs) So after like my 17th American Idol and the voice audition, I was like, okay, this is not going the way it happened for everyone else that goes on American Idol. But so then I was like, I'm going to go to music school and just try to like learn everything I can and just be a good musician. And, and writing became the focus. And
0: yeah. this is going to be kind of a central theme, I think, to this conversation, but I love your drive and your attitude that just says, you're going to tell me, no, I'm going to go figure out a different way to make it happen. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that's been a theme through through your life as you've pursued this as a career and you've made, you know, music, your passion. I just feel like you've always found a way to do what you wanted to do, whether people were letting you do it or not. You were like, F it. I don't care. I'm going to make this happen.
1: I, that's so nice. That is definitely true. I mean, there's so much rejection. I have this conversation with a lot of other artists, you know, you don't hear the stories about, you hear the success stories and you hear the like, overnight success stories, but you don't hear the thousands of stories of people who are lifelong music makers. And, you know, I I just, I've become more used to it. And it's, but I think when you're young, there's this pressure to like, make it all happen right away. And that's just not the reality I've learned. And so I just keep trying to keep trucking
0: along. I do always love when there's an artist that pops up and they have their first big single or whatever, and people are like, oh, this brand new person. But then when you find out their story, you hear they've been in Nashville for, you know, 10, 12 years or whatever, playing every bar imaginable, writing songs with other people, just trying to get heard. So to the average public, they are this brand new shiny toy. But in reality, they have been worked hard for years trying to get to that point.
1: Yeah, like I am constantly reaching out to people and like just try, I have to position myself as a new artist and I'm like, I'm not new, but like I'm new to them and I'm going to be new until I'm not new. So it is funny. And even today I was like over it, like just waiting to hear back from managers or whatever it is. And it's like some days it it is kind of like, I've adopted the effort, I'm going to keep going. But some days you're like, I can't take this. Oh, I'm
0: sure. I mean, there's only so many times you hear no before you're just like, "Uh, fine. All right. It's just not going to, you know, so it's hard to break through that wall. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I I always tell my sister, I'm like, I've been applying for the same job my entire
0: life. Well, it's kind of cool too. I've noticed that a lot of record labels lately, at least in the last, like, I'll even go back like five years, have started to look at a lot more things like Spotify and Pandora and Apple Music Streams. And it kind of gives them a heads up of who's who is the audience reacting to. So we are starting to see Nashville signing some artists that have been putting the work in. It's not all about like, hey, here's just the hottest new person. It's like, wow, this person has amassed, you know, 100 million streams on a song and they don't have a record deal. You know, so they they'll go out and they'll snatch them up. There is a piece of me that appreciates that, that at least they are watching that now to say, hey, this person is working hard and they're making an impact and people obviously like them.
1: I mean, all the time I get so excited. I just saw a girl get signed yesterday and I was like, oh, she like, I was genuinely happy because I'm like, she's been around for so long. And like, I, you know, I don't think she had like a TikTok sensation blow up or any kind of moment like that. I think it was just like, finally the pieces came together. And, And I, I do, I mean, honestly, for all of the things that make me roll my eyes about nashville sometimes like people really if they're compelled by music they will do something about it um you just can't control whether they're compelled about your music <laughs> <laughs> compelled to make a move about yours but yeah i mean there are i mean there are still a and r's here that i i think they get really into something and if even if nothing's going on they'll jump on it so that's good
0: so Boston was music school after high school, but then didn't you go to L.A. for a few years?
1: I went to L.A. kind of briefly. Okay. I, my sister moved there, and I was the plan was I was going to move there with her, and I did for about a month. <laughs> um, and I just I was like, I have to be in Nashville. I don't know, like, why I feel so strongly about it. I think also at the time it was it just felt like pressure. Like you have to decide and you have to commit because everyone in Nashville is kind of like, you have to be here to be doing this. And I just, I had kind of bounced around from New York to LA for a little while. And so I just felt like I need to just commit and like make some roots. And that was really hard to do because I was just, I was so surprised that I was becoming so obsessed with country music. because I did not plan on that.
0: Yeah, what was it? What was the catalyst that that kind of made you go, "All right, this is this is where I'm going to be. This is where this is where I fit."
1: Uh, so there were two things, and honestly, WPOC was kind of like instrumental in the beginning. You're welcome. Because, yeah, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not even just saying that. Like my the first song I ever wrote and completed, like WPOC. Played on the radio
0: oh, when and, we were still playing local music. I remember that time.
1: <laughs> and um, actually, Scott Borchetta, Big Machine heard the song, and I like came to Nashville and I auditioned for him, and that was a big deal. I was that was still when like T Swift was there, and just she was still fairly new, and and I was like, maybe I am making country music, and maybe this is my own version of it. Like I didn't even know that was one thing, and then. I kind of hopped around from LA and New York and was still testing the waters. I saw Lori McKenna play at the Bluebird and she was kind of at the beginning of her, like, I guess her rise, she had been around for a while, but she really had, was beginning to have these huge moments songwise. and she played at the Bluebird and I remember like her lyric writing really struck me and I remember thinking like, I don't know how to do that mm. and I really wanted to learn how to do what she just did. It like blew me away. And so then I was like, I have to be
0: in Nashville. I think there is something to be said about that, too. I think you're right about you kind of have to be there for it to work. Because I do know some other artists that, you know, that have record, like Tyler Rich is a great example. Tyler Rich has a record deal with Valerie, I think it is, in Nashville. But he's a California guy. He's lived in California almost all of his life. He's had an apartment in Nashville. Um, But I do still feel like he's separated from it in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't feel the same energy. I love the guy and I love his music, but I just feel like there's a different energy with him because he is separate from Nashville, if that makes sense.
1: I think it's sort of like, which I wish it wasn't this way totally, but there's some kind of loyalty thing. And, and like, let me show you how much I care and want this and I will do anything. And that sort of is, that kind of stinks because it's like so desperate but that's how I felt I was like I don't want anyone to question my commitment and so that's initially why I moved and I and I and I realized like I think when I first got here I was kind of aggressive and going out and trying to like be in the mix and now I'm kind of just here (laughs) and I kind of um I keep to myself a bit and I wish I was a little bit more social but there is something it's like osmosis you just kind of being here, even if you're not out at Red Door every night, like you just learned certain things that I don't think I would have learned in LA.
0: Talk more about that for a second. Now I know we're still in a global pandemic, so it's easy for all of us to kind of just seclude ourselves from other people. But I yeah. want talk more about what you just said about how, like when you first were there, you were out all the time and doing all these things, but now you've kind of stepped back from that. Is that a good thing for you? Is it like, or why did that happen?
1: I think artists Like I always tell people not to be like, oh, poor me, but I do feel like I'm on an island sometimes because I'm still this like question mark, Mm. you know? It's like, oh, I have my own label, but it's like, I'm not a rate. I haven't had a song go number one on the radio or something like that. So there's still these like, I have to prove myself things. And I think if you're a songwriter, just a songwriter, it's it's a different thing. Because as a songwriter, you can kind of, throw yourself in the mix and write with anybody. But as an artist, you kind of have to be very clear that you want to be an artist. And I think it leads to like a little bit of loneliness because you you need people to be like, I'm gonna give you a chance. I'm gonna write with you. I'm gonna take a meeting with you. And it's harder to get those chances, I think. But But also I think like when you're first in any, when you're new to any town, you just kind of naturally go out and- Oh, sure. You learn like uh, what rounds to do and what places to play. And you then you play all of them and you're like, okay, like I've done that now. <laughs> so now I'm going to focus on what I think, you know, I've gotten to A to B to C, like what's going to get me to, you know, the rest of the alphabet, I guess. And so now I just spend my time differently. I, I think that was a long answer, but.
0: What, what year did you move to Nashville officially?
1: 2011.
0: 11. Was it that long ago? Oh my gosh. I remember like, I remember interviewing you right before you went. So it's weird for me to think that that was 10 years ago. <laughs> well,
1: and I did. So I, I moved here and then I went to LA and had my little hop around. Because
0: oh, I was, okay. So maybe it was somewhere. Cause I, cause I remember I talked to you after LA and you were like making the commitment to Nashville.
1: That was 2014.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I feel a little bit less old knowing that it was 2014.
1: When I think about my first move here, I'm like. Oh, my God. That was so long ago.
0: Like, what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> oh, stop it. stop it. You've been doing so much. And that's and that's what I mean about like the whole effort. I'm going to do it my own way, because I feel like following you, you have heard no a lot. And I think a lesser person would be broken by that. So I, I like I said before, I'm so impressed by the fact that you've you've stuck it out and you've kept fighting for what you want and you've found an angle or a you know a lane to get your way. Maybe it hasn't resulted in that number one song, like you mentioned before, but it still resulted in you following your passion and making a life out of it.
1: I've had so many moments where I was like completely broken. I, I think I've just gotten to a point where I realized like, okay, it didn't go the way I wanted it to, but like whose life does? And like, if I'm, if my heart's still beating, I'm gonna like keep trying because I don't know. I just, I, I look up to a lot of people who couldn't get deals. Like I'm obsessed with Jay-Z. Like he's my hero kind of, <laughs> which is funny, but it's true. Like I just, I I find these people and I just read I feel like I sort of think of them as my friends and they're in my head and they're coaching me or something like, that sounds so weird, but I swear, like I just read all these stories of people's struggle and it helps me to continue to try, you know?
0: I find it hard to believe that you haven't had a record deal like offer. Never. That's so, that that blows my mind because you're, you're, and I know you, this might be a little biased, but you are so talented that I'm just shocked that there hasn't even been like a development deal or or anything just to be like, we got to get this girl in and see what we can do here. You know,
1: there's been so many times where I'm like, what else do I need to show? You know, like, and I think the whole female conversation that, you know, it's so hard to even talk about, but I think that was now it's, it's getting better for sure. But like, the publishing deals kind of became the new A and R of and the development of an artist, and my gender was at the center of those conversations. So it's sort of like this shutout. Like you can find ways around. I found ways around it. People, I I feel lucky when someone's like, "Yeah, all right with you," because those doors just were not open for so long. And even now, I mean, they're still not really open to me. And I. I feel like it sounds so sad, but it's just the truth. Like, I I don't know either. I don't I don't feel entitled to anything, but I know that I've like proven myself. So you put the work
0: awesome. in for sure.
1: Yeah, I know that I have the skill set um, to do the job I want to do. It's just somebody, it's the opportunity coming. So
0: you write and you sing and you perform and you're good at all of those things. But what does? It's kind of a loaded question. What what does success look like to you? Like when you, when you think about what you want, what is it right now that you're, that you're
1: trying to grab? Specifically, I'm trying to find a partner for white house records so that we can go to radio and do a more traditional like album rollout. That's like a specific thing that I'm trying to find. But I mean, if I could do anything like, like an arena tour would be sort of like my goal. As the end of my career, if I could go on a an arena tour, that I would that would be success for me, which is a big goal. But that's the goal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is kind of a random question to follow up on that. Does does like was it T- Towson High School? Is that where you went to school? Yes. Do they have they ever like reached out to be like Emma White, our alumni? We honor you because you're so great and you're doing cool things. Like, do you ever feel so- like? I, I like, I want that so bad. Like that is something that I want from my, like, and I know that sounds so cheesy, but like, I want, I want my high school or my, my, my college never would. Cause there's way more famous people from my college, but like my college never would. But I would, I want my high school in my hometown to be like, Hey, look at you. You've done something kind of cool.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, they have not done that. That's wait. Where did you go?
0: Uh, for high school. I mean, that was uh Salem high school in New Hampshire.
1: And then where'd you go for college?
0: Villanova University.
1: Oh my gosh, that's a great school.
0: Although I will say there is a Wikipedia page for like quote unquote famous Villanovans and there's people on there. I was reading it one day. This is so stupid. I was reading it with some friends during a basketball game and there's people on there that have become doctors and and like these are all great accomplishments. I'm not begrudging them at all, (laughs) but I'm looking at it and I'm like, I've got two friggin' CMA awards. How am I not on this list?
1: (laughs) You need to make someone know that this, that you've come this far. No, honestly, though, I think, like, as an artist, I always have to, like, promote myself or, like, tell people things that are going on. So maybe you just have to, like... Actually, I think our college, you can submit notes about what you're up to. So okay. maybe your college
0: I'll have to look into that. I'm so bad at promoting myself. Like I've always been, like from day one when I was a kid, it was always like just let let your work speak for you kind of thing. So I just always do my thing, and then I forget about the promotional part of it. Because not, you know, somebody once told me you have to be your own advocate. I'm just so bad at being my own advocate. Oh my I'm terrible. I'm
1: so uncomfortable. Right. It's like the worst feeling in the world. Yeah.
0: Even when I post things on like, like I'm going to post this interview, you know, as part of the podcast and I'm going to you know, post something on Instagram or whatever to say, hey, I spoke with Emma White, listen to it. And even that like sometimes feels weird to me. And I'm like, it's my Instagram. Why does that feel weird?
1: Literally, like I think people must think I'm obsessed with myself and, and it feels so horrible. Every time I post, I'm like, everyone hates me and this is so annoying. Like that's a close <laughs> in my head. So I totally get it. It's horrible. It's like it's just, it is what it is, you know?
0: You are great at the photo shoot though. I'll give you that. Like your photo shoot pictures are awesome. I, I hate getting headshots like more than anything else in the world. I look so uncomfortable and awkward in every single one. I look at your photos from this and look, I'm sure there's a million pictures taken, but you rock it. Like they look awesome.
1: That's really nice. I mean, it takes several hundred shots to find two. Like that's (laughs) I swear to you, like, I'm not kidding. That's what we do. We, like, really try.
0: <laughs> if you were here, I'd show you my camera roll because that's what we do with my daughter right now, too. Like, just sit still. I just want a picture. Sit still. 500 pictures later, we finally get the one with the smile.
1: <laughs> I, I was on dating apps, like, all of COVID, and now I'm dating someone. And, I, like, sometimes I'm like, should I tell them I don't look like my photo? <laughs> everything's like a photo shoot you know and it's so different but
0: anyway. I bet that happens a lot in Nashville though
1: yeah oh yeah
0: because I feel like most people in Nashville I, I not most maybe but like people in Nashville are there for a purpose like I don't
1: know <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are and uh, and I think everyone's like I mean it seems like everyone in the world is like an influencer these days so everyone's kind of made up and dolled up and not
0: that I want to get totally off this subject, but uh, meeting someone during COVID and dating—how did that go?
1: Um, I keep telling him he's my first boyfriend because he kind of is. Um, okay, but it was—it's been good. Like, he, I went on like two in-person dates in summer and into like October, but then the one date I had to sit inside at a restaurant, and I was like, "This is probably not a good idea." <laughs> And so most of the time I was outside going on dates. If I went on dates, I had like a coffee date outside one time. Um, My sister's like, you're insane that you've been dating during the pandemic. (laughs) But I was, I was alone. Like I was alone in my apartment and um, I, I just always am kind of on and off the apps anyway. So I went on a couple dates and then I, I guess, um, now I've been dating my current, man friend for three months, I guess, <laughs> but it, it, you know, he, he had had COVID and he was kind of like immune. We hoped he was immune. And so I felt weirdly safe hanging out with him because he was, you know, immune. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> he will protect me.
1: <laughs> yeah. he just lives down the street, which was so convenient and fun. So it was good.
0: That's awesome. Um, so white house records, you, <laughs> Sorry, this is this is great. I love transitions like this. Uh, So your record label, when you decide to do this, that's that's a jump. You you're kind of taking ownership of things, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to make this happen. Like we said before, you're you're taking it into your own hands and going, I can't, you know, I'm not getting the record deal that I want. I'm going to start my own record label. I'm going to make this happen. How does that work? Like, how did you decide to do that?
1: I don't know how public it is that I know there was a lot of talk about the female the lack of females on country sure. radio. I don't know if people really knew how bad it was, like even just going from meeting to meeting. And I mean, the female conversation was so prevalent at the time, and now it's not as prevalent. But at that time, it was every meeting I had. And so I was just like, I'm, I'm taking the same meeting. Like I'm having the same conversation over and over again. And I knew that it was, obviously like it should be illegal to have those type of conversations. But what I learned is that songwriters and artists are not, they're contract employees and not W2 employees. So there's actually no like legal ramifications for any of that. Like you think some, you know, you go to a job interview you should get hired regardless of your gender or race or whatever. But when it comes to songwriters and artists you can actually be discriminated Mm -hmm. against. And there's no, there's really nothing you can do about it. Um, So I just realized like I need help and I need to like talk to people. And um, I had to look outside of Nashville or like the music industry here. And I found this, um, I found this investment, what was it? A venture capitalist. Okay. I like applied and I was, I told them my business idea and they rejected me. And then I just (laughs) reached out and they like, they only invest in like women led businesses. Um, And then I reached out to a friend and I was like, I really need to talk to you. She's a really successful businesswoman, like insanely successful and like, you know, tough and ballsy and all these things that I want to be. And I just, I was like, could we get coffee? Like I keep running into the same issue. And she was like, shh. She was like, "Yeah, let's meet at Starbucks." And so we met at Starbucks. And she was like, two minutes before, she's like, "Oh, and by the way, I'm bringing my husband." And I was like, "Okay." So um, I told them what was happening, and I was like, "I have an agent, I have a lawyer, I have a business manager, and you know, I've been in Rolling Stone and NPR, and I've gotten on these playlists, and I can't get a deal." And they they were like, "Can we meet with your whole team? Like, we want to get involved." And that's how that happened. Um, so it was sort of like the stars aligning with them and for whatever reason, they it, it resonated with them and um, they had no background in the music industry whatsoever.
0: So do you kind of run the show? I do. Have you thought about bringing <laughs> that, other people in or are you keeping it just like yeah, kind of your thing for now?
1: I have like another name that I'm considering if we can find a partner. So I basically like, have to manage a team and I don't love all of that. Like I've learned a lot doing this and just like money and what is spent on. And, you know, like it's, it's so, um, anxiety inducing sometimes that I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel responsible bringing anyone into this until I know for a fact that I know what needs to happen. I definitely hope to bring other people in, but, um, the timing is just not right right now.
0: Are you going to keep it all female?
1: I think I'm going to try to do like a, a percentage like, um, where it's, I've seen other companies do this where they commit to like having, whether it's over 50% or over 60% female, I want to make that a priority and, and keep to that. But I don't want to then like, like I don't want it to just be all female because then I'm shutting men out. And then sure. am I, am I just doing what was done to me? And so I don't want to do that.
0: I kind of appreciate that you see that. Not that, not that all these men need you know any more, any more yeah. luck you know on their side. I guess, but uh, but I do appreciate that you are looking at it from that perspective to say like, hey, I'd be no better than everybody else if I'm doing the same exact thing you know on the opposite side of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, I and I feel like that's how, like. You're gonna get men to, you know, join you in the whole fight because it's like, I've I've seen it go both ways. It seems like some people, you know, they do the whole female only thing, whatever the company is, and I it works for them. But I just, for me, it, it's not who I am. Like, I have so many guy friends, and I have so many talented guy friends that I look at and I'm like, I would totally sign that guy, and he's not signed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so.
0: It is good to see that there's been sort of a pendulum shift in a way where there are more female voices getting out there. Um, it, it's fascinating too. Like uh, Tennille arts just had a number one song and she's awesome. Uh, dating a Baltimore guy, by the way, who used to be a bartender in Baltimore, which is he so cool:
1: Hit me up before he, he had come to my show in Baltimore and he like hit me up when he got here. And, and then next thing I know he's, Dating
0: to be on Crazy, crazy. But that song is the first first ever all female done song to hit the top of the chart. Like sung by a female, written by a female, produced by a female, like the whole everything women yeah. was that song. And it's blows my mind that it's 2021 and that just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I just, Mm -hmm. there are so many talented females in Nashville from the writing, producing, performing standpoint. I can't believe that a song hasn't come before where the stars aligned, where they were all in on one thing.
1: I know. And I actually, the song 30s, which I released a couple months ago was my first time releasing something by all women. Oh, that was literally the first time I had done that. And so I mean, it surprises me, but it it doesn't surprise me because it really is. It's just there's I guess there's so many male producers and that's true. I don't know. But I mean, it was amazing. And uh, I mean, I, I hope it continues that there's just more women producing for sure.
0: I guess that is something to think about. Like there are a ton of talented female songwriters, but you don't necessarily hear about women producers as much. And it's not to say they don't do it, but it's just you don't hear them being in the booth quite as often as you hear about men.
1: And I, sometimes I wonder with everything, I'm like, are they not there? Or do I just not know they're there? You know, it's that's a good like, question. Yeah. And I'm never sure about that.
0: I feel like sometimes women get pushed in a direction where it's like, we want to put you on the stage. We want you to perform. We want, but there could be some really talented women that have a great ear for music that maybe yeah. production is the world where they could really kick some ass, but just the music industry yourself is like, well, this reason or that reason you should be here or you should be there. I, I don't know. I'm just I, you know, hypothesizing.
1: I think it's a combination of things, sure. but I definitely, my eyes have opened to like a lot more female producers in the last year that I just like found on Instagram, which is so
0: weird. <laughs> but yeah. 30s, you released this year and you just released a new song, Mothers and Daughters. And you mentioned earlier some of the great press that you've gotten. You know, I've seen you in Rolling Stone and PR. You have something from People uh, that I saw on your website. I don't remember when that was. I think it was about 30. So it's from recently. Yeah. Um, partnership with Covergirl to do a giveaway with 30s as well. So there seems to be a lot of things coming together for this song and for this moment in your career
1: yeah um 30s has been the most exciting release so far um and i i think from like the label brain perspective it's sort of like whatever you can i'm i'm just learning how to set up a release better and so i think you know sometimes songs can be amazing songs but nobody hears them and you always scratch your head like you know how do we get people to hear them we really tried to be thoughtful about how we released those songs. Um, but I think thirties also just spoke to people like in their thirties, they hadn't heard a song like that before. And so I think that kind of came together because it was a unique concept.
0: It is. It's funny to look at music. Cause I, I've always, I grew up kind of in the punk rock scene. Um, so uh, the music that I really liked was never hit music. It was never on the radio. And, and I, that's actually why I got into college radios. I wanted to play my music for other people because I wanted yeah. to share it uh, to let other people hear it. Um, But it's, it, there is so much music out there and there's music that can be deemed incredible to so many people, but it doesn't become the hit song, but that doesn't mean that it's not good. And that doesn't mean that it isn't yeah. successful in its own way.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm obsessed with this band. Uh, do you know Dawes? They're pretty. They're yeah,
0: big. yeah. I'm familiar. I don't know a lot about them, but I'm familiar.
1: So, like, I was an intern for them, like their record label, many, many years ago, and I remember hearing them for the first time and being like, "I have to tell everyone about this band. Like, they're the greatest American rock band ever." And I just felt so strongly about that, and I'm still like, they should be playing stadiums. Right. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. And, um, but I do know like as a songwriter, it's just funny. Like people can be so incredible and it, it doesn't necessarily mean they have the number one song. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it is crazy. Well,
0: number one songs are kind of weird too, because there are artists that have, you know, 10 number one songs that can't fill a 1200 person club, but you have artists that like, I don't know, like the brothers Osborne is a great example. Those guys have had one number one song. And they've won a bunch of ACM awards. They're selling out, you know, small arenas and, and large, you know, clubs or sheds around the country. But then you have artists that have, you know, six, seven number one songs that really struggle to move tickets. So it's the number one song does not necessarily always mean a ton of success. You know, Chris Stapleton, I think I had two. And that guy is just, you know, through the roof successful. Um, you know so that. it's, it, it is interesting. Like we kind of joke in the radio business that the number ones are just kind of resume builders, but you still have to go out and put the time in and bust your butt to really develop that fan following to get people that want to come out and be a part of your experience.
1: Cause it's interesting. Cause you see the number ones happen all the time. I mean, the people that might struggle to sell out a club or like you were saying, do you think it's that they haven't been on the road long enough? Or do you think it just happens too quickly? Like that's actually, sorry, I'm asking. You no,
0: questions. please. Uh, my <laughs> personal opinion is that there's two, there's two things here. One uh, is the word passion. Uh, sometimes really, the, I guess both things really tie into the same thing. I've really had to separate myself from being a music fan versus working for a radio station, because as a music fan, I want to hear the newest and freshest and coolest you know, takes on the different song themes and I want something funky. I want to try different things because I've heard it all before. So, you know, show me something new, show me something I haven't heard that that's something that I crave.
1: Yeah. But I have
0: to remember the average person listening to the radio station is, you know, I don't know, a 35 year old mother of two driving her kids to school in the morning. So they might not want the next cool, fresh thing. They might just want a great song on the radio. And that, though, a lot of artists that put out great radio songs, there's not really a ton of passion for them. For people, like the people say, I love that song, but they're not gonna buy a ticket to a show. Right. You know, but like Chris Stapleton, as an example, or Brothers Osborne those artists have passionate fan. Eric Church is another artist. I mean, you, he's a superstar in the country music world. Guy doesn't have a lot of radio hits, all things considered. When you think about how much music he's put out, he doesn't yeah. have a lot of radio hits, but he sells out two nights in a row, you know, 18,000 tickets at arenas because there's passion for him and his brand and his music. Yeah.
1: But That's, but like yeah. he, he
0: doesn't get the same radio success that, I, I don't want to call it any artists. I don't want anybody to feel bad on that front, but I think, you know what I'm getting at.
1: Totally. I mean, that's kind of relieving to hear in a way because it's like radio means so much in country still. It, it does. Yeah. It's so much, but it, but it's funny. Yeah. There's so many great artists who, I mean, Casey Musgraves is one of them. Like I think Chris Stapleton too. I, I think he, was on the road for a very long time. That's what I always hear.
0: And he wrote music. Um, so he wrote songs that were hits for other people. So his name kind of became familiar. He actually got, this is actually a debate that we have all the time, or I guess I have all the time. I'm sure not everybody else is having it. But he's much more of like a AAA or NPR artist than he is a country artist. I think he's a country artist because that's the world that he fits in the most. But he's got a super strong NPR, like AAA format following and fan base
1: I get that that I mean sometimes I even make music in a way where I'm hearing it through you know different frame of minds like you know if it's a radio song or not um, I think the, the ultimate is like you do something like I think girl crush like little big town to me has has this really unique thing that they've created mm-hmm. where they make really interesting music um, like girl Crush to me was really groundbreaking mm-hmm. and even musically uh, it just sounded different and I, I don't know if it I, I think it went number one I mean yes yeah the fact that a song like that um it it wasn't overly poppy or whatever it was just a great song with a unique production behind it like to me that's like the ultimate yeah you can do
0: But you know, but those, those are few and far between, like they don't, you know, like Jennifer Nettles with Sugarland uh, had that song stay, which is just her belting with an acoustic guitar, very light in the background. And it's, it's this song that gives you goosebumps when you hear it. And it became a big hit for them. That still gets played um, right now. But like those songs are hard to find. Like they, they connect on a different level. But again, it's rare when you get that connection.
1: So true. (laughs) <laughs> but
0: it stands out. I love this. I love talking music with you. I'm so glad that we kind yes. of went down this rabbit hole.
1: Yes, uh, <laughs>
0: I can't wait to hear what your mom comes up with for uh, for my baby.
1: I will keep you posted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> does your mom use social media? Because I'm going to have to look her up if she does.
1: Um, she does, but it's like really awkward photos of me and everyone else. Um, I
0: love it. <laughs> I love it.
1: But yeah, she's on social media. Do they still?
0: <laughs> do they still live in the same area?
1: Same house, same street. Yeah, everything's the same. <laughs> okay, so we
0: still live really close, then. So I know, uh, as we're you know, hopefully coming to the end of a global pandemic, um, there's still a lot of question marks. But what uh, what's next? What's what's on the horizon for Emma White right now?
1: I'm honestly getting shot down every day, but <laughs> I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find a partner to release a debut album. That's what I. I want to make an album I and mean, we may just put it out ourselves, but I I may kind of back off the constant, like new song, new song. I might take a minute and, and just get like, you know, seven songs ready um, because I really want to put out a body of work and not just a couple songs at a time, even though it's like a singles era at the moment, I, I really want to make like a cohesive project. So.
0: I still appreciate a cohesive project. Like there is something to be said about having a piece of work where you listen to each song and you know, the artist planned that these songs were going to go together in this way. And this was their vision. You know, like, I love a single, don't get me wrong. I want it. Give me, give me all the new music that I can get my hands on, but a a full project. There is still something very special about that.
1: Yeah. And I think like we were talking about what makes a real artist. I just, People always say, oh, it's, it's not a time for albums, but I'm like, I listen to albums. Like I love, I even listen to like my new favorite album is Ariana Grande's new album, but it's an album. And I'm like, I get another song and another song and another song and I love it. So I, I really want to have like kind of a, an identity that's more than just one song cycle.
0: I know people look at things differently, but like Eric Church has put out three albums in two weeks um, you know, I, I know it's weird to mention his name now, but Morgan Wallen dropped like a thirty-song double album at the start of the year, forty-song, whatever it was. I mean, so people who say that albums don't and, and those have been wildly successful. So if people are saying that albums don't aren't you know relevant now, they're crazy. Like they are still relevant. People still buy them. They still listen to them. They're still around.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're completely right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, Emma, I I love you. I think you're fantastic. Uh, I appreciate, I've said it many times and it's so true. I appreciate your drive and all of your hard work to make things happen. I feel like it's been forever since I've seen you. It's only been a year and a half because you did that Christmas show for us uh, at the end of 2019. So it, it feels like so much longer because the last year feels like 10 years, but I can't wait till we can hang out again.
1: I know that show was so much fun. Thank you for having me. And seriously, like, I I would say thanks for your support, but I feel your support so much and it's so nice and I appreciate it so much.
0: I'm a ride or die, Emma. I'm a ride or die.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)
0: Big thank you to Emma White for sharing some of her time with us. I appreciate that. And also thank you to all of you for listening and sharing some of your day with Be More Well Backstage Pass. I'm Jeff here. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. That way you are updated on all future episodes. And also make sure that you leave a rating and review. I'd really appreciate that support. Thank you, guys, and I'll talk to you soon.